gospel because it is God's power for salvation to everyone who believes. One thing, I don't know why. It doesn't even matter how hard you try. Keep that in mind and design this rhyme to explain it to time. All I know, time is a valuable thing. Watch it fly by as the pendulum swings. Watch it count down to the end of the day. The clock takes life away. It's so unreal. Didn't look out below. Watch the time go right out the window. Trying to hold on, but you didn't even know. Wasted it all just to watch Good morning and welcome to another Just Informed Talk radio show. I'm your host, Craig James, and boy, do we have a show for you today. We're going to have a very special guest on for the entirety of the show. Hopefully, we're going to get through a lot of different topics, but he's going to be sharing some information that you're going to want to hear. He's an Air Force veteran with a background in intelligence, working in and amongst some of the, uh, let's just say, most sensitive places you can imagine. We'll get with him in a second. Before we do that, though, I want to thank everybody listening, whether you're listening live here on 1360 KHNC on the Front Range from Colorado to Wyoming and into Nebraska, or you're listening live at 1360KHNC.com, or you're listening to the live stream on one of the multiple platforms where it is hosted, I want to say thank you. I really appreciate you joining me. But today we're going to be joined by a very special guest He's been a, a friend of mine for quite some time, and he has a lot to tell. His story is fascinating. He has been widely known as one of the Benghazi whistleblowers. He came forward and exposed a lot of what was going on there. He's a, a good friend of mine, as I said before, an Air Force veteran with an intelligence background who worked at AFRICOM and EURCOM. But I'll let him explain about himself more uh, deeply, but right now I just want to bring on the show and welcome my friend uh, Nicholas. No, Nick, are you there? Yes. Good morning, Craig. Uh, good morning, Nick. It's good to have you on the show. Um, I guess where we want to begin with you is give the audience a bit of a background. I don't know if you want to retell your story but uh it is a fascinating story nonetheless i hope uh my introduction did you justice but why don't you give the folks an idea of who you are what your background is and then we can maybe even touch on what happened with benghazi and all that stuff because i want to get that to kind of lay the groundwork and let people know who you are you know what i mean sure all right so um i ended up Whenever I joined the Air Force, I uh, went in for command and control battlefield management. I ended up over in uh, Ramstein, Germany, at the Air and Space Operations Center there. Uh, we were over AFRICOM and UCOM. At that time, they uh, kind of merged. It was a weird transitional time. However, um, of course, we were involved in all of the operations over Africa, Europe, and some other places. So uh, when I was there, I had a really unique kind of position, especially being a regular airman. I was only an E3 at the time and when I first started. So uh, when I got there, I was put in combat reports within combat operations uh, from in the 603rd AOC. And when I was there, essentially what I did was uh, I worked in a place, well, the unofficial name of where we worked, we. 
other people internally called it was the wheel of death. And they called it that because uh, where we worked, we would get the joint prioritized target list that would go to the mission planners, then to combat ops. And then uh, afterward, they do the battle damage assessment, uh, operations uh, uh, you know, analysis afterwards, go back to strategy, then the joint prioritized target list. This went 24 hours a day in a circular way. And the people I worked with were all highly specialized people. Uh, we had uh, I don't want to say too much about exactly what we had there and uh, by way of capabilities, but we had people from uh, all the different branches of the military all coordinating together, and uh, each of them had different types of jobs. And, uh, and for example, everything from weather to data links to intelligence, reconnaissance, all that sort of stuff. Um, so what I did was... I, every day I would get all the information from the subordinate units that reported to us, and then I would compile them into a much larger report uh, called a SITREP and then a commander update briefing. And uh, part of that job as, um, in combat reports, I would get all of the information from the people within my unit too. They all had specialized jobs, and they would provide me with their work product, and uh, I would make that in the commander update briefing every day. So uh, that's how I ended up in the middle of everything and had the full picture of what was going on and what happened and even made the, the situational reports, the sit reps, and the commander update briefings on this stuff. And I also kept all the records as well. Uh, so uh, whenever the attacks happened in Benghazi, they got warnings ahead of time. And, uh, you know, that that's a fact. And also... Um, when it happened, uh, we were told not to rescue them. We had the uh, one of the subordinate units that I talked to every day was a rescue team in Djibouti, and they're a pararescue team. Their their job is to go in the worst kind of situations like that uh, where they were surrounded, and they would fly in over the top. Um, they would jump out of the airplanes and parachute down, and then from there set up a perimeter, uh, get the people out. There needs to be they have medics everybody's trained as a medic too so they can they can fix anybody that needs fixing right at that time to at least uh, stabilize them so uh, they were told to turn around and then on top of that we had um, Aviano was told to stand down they were running an, an exercise at the time and they were told to continue with their exercise they have uh, fighter jets that they would have been able to send there, send there for close air support even if they didn't strike nearby there which would they could have done easily in their aces um, they uh, they could have, that would have just been enough to scare them away just buzzing the top of them so um, and then we also had um, you know drones armed and unarmed drones and we had all kinds of different assets that were available to them to include uh, Marines that weren't too far away um, and then uh, of course we had uh, allied forces as well nearby who also offered to help they offered to help um, CENTCOM. CENTCOM was also coincidentally running an exercise. This is something that happens seemingly whenever bad stuff happens, everybody's running an exercise for some reason. And so uh, they were running an exercise called Internal Look 12 at the time, and they were told that they could not break away from their exercise to help them, and they, and they were told that the State Department's got it. Okay, so the State Department doesn't have assets like that. They don't have anything to really help themselves like that. So that's the reason that my 
you know, one of the jobs there was uh, personnel recovery uh, in that cell, and their whole job was was to coordinate the the rescue and uh, in these kind of situations. So our job was to do that. That's why we were there as part of the um, the whole mission that we had. Uh, so it blew my mind whenever I uh, I had just come back from vacation, and I had to check in. And in the morning, I got there in the morning um, after the attacks already started, and I could see on the screens, of course, um, basically the drones were already overhead, uh, circling, and so on. Um, and and uh, so I didn't really see the first initial part of it. My friend, uh, very good friend of mine, Joshua Salmon, was in the skiff at the time. Usually, I would be working nights with him, almost always I would be working nights with him. Um, but I was just on vacation at that time, and when I came back, uh, he was actually there in that morning whenever the attacks started happening. So he started, you know, he saw what was going on, and he started calling all the different agencies to coordinate, find out more information, and then also so that they could surge assets. And like I was saying, that they could use all the different assets to help and or uh, destroy the, the enemy on this in this situation. Um, so he was told, he went out to the, the uh, CCO, which is the commanding officer on duty at the time, and the commanding officer uh, told him, and this, typically, this is, okay, so one of the first things they teach you when you get there is the call tree, basically. If All right, so, comes up, so hold on, re- re- we're, we're going to hit a commercial, right? Let's put a, sure. <clears throat> let's put a pin in that. <clears throat> when we come back. I'm going to have Nick continue with uh, his, his, this incredible story. Just to recap, Nick is working in AFRICOM and UCOM right around the time of Benghazi. He's in charge of putting together the intelligence uh, uh, briefings for the, the higher-ranking officers. So he's able to see what's going on, and he's telling us what happened that day. Stay tuned. You're listening to Just Informed Talk Radio. We'll be back after the break. Bleed Stop, clinically proven and FDA cleared to stop even arterial bleeds. Pour it into the wound, apply direct pressure, and clotting occurs in seconds. No stinging or burning. Minor cuts or major wounds, Bleed Stop is a must for first aid kits, backpacks, and trauma bags. Find Bleed Stop by clicking on the Bleed Stop button on the 1360KHNC webpage. Products and prices listed on the KHNC website are 20% off the regular Bleed Stop website prices. Get yours today. The globalists say resistance is futile. Will you choose to accept your slavery or declare your liberty? Find out how on Pac-Man and the Rev, Saturdays from 1 to 2. Sometimes the truth hurts. Just Informed Talk Radio. I'm your host, Craig James. We're joined by a very special guest, a good friend of mine, the Benghazi whistleblower, commonly known 
uh, by many, but he's also been coming forward with a plethora of information that is vitally important, I believe, for, for my audience here to listen to and for us to kind of get out there and disseminate. He's an Air Force veteran with a background in intelligence, worked at AFRICOM and UCOM during Benghazi. He saw what happened. He was one of the individuals responsible for putting together comprehensive intelligence reports in real time that were presented to higher-ranking officers to make decisions with. That's how he was able to see what was happening there. But I want to welcome back to the show, of course, my good friend, uh, Nicholas No. So, Nick, you know, we're, we're, we're listening to you explain the details, I mean, the excruciating details of what happened that day. And I, and I think this is vitally important, not only to, to establish who you are and what your background is, and, and uh, you know, because that's what, we're going to get into some crazy stuff today. By the way, everybody listening, today is, in fact, Tinfoil Friday, in case you were wondering. And my guest, Nick, is going to help us dive into the rabbit hole, take the red pill, and uh, we're going to have to strap on our tinfoil hats for that coming up later. But this is really important, I think, to kind of establish who you are, what your background is, and, and, and a story that my audience probably hasn't heard yet about what actually happened on Benghazi. And for reference, to, to give context, Benghazi is the assault on the U.S. Embassy in Benghazi, which uh, took place where you have, uh, who was it, Ambassador Chris Stevens, I think his name was. He was murdered along with several other soldiers that day. And uh, it was an unnecessary thing, but it also had much larger implications for that region of the world. I mean, this is what essentially was a part of, you know, the destabilization of the, the northern part of Africa, which led in part to the invasion of Europe, which we're seeing right now. So there's a lot of implications here. Am I correct, Nick, in, in that assessment? Yes, it was a very big uh big thing to happen and especially considering um how how critical it was to to take action at the time everybody was told to stand down um and uh and it was by the state department in particular that was really the lead on that even our cco at africom uh the air and space operations center there was uh told my friend joshua salmon that uh they had to stand down and not call in uh, which is normal standard operating procedure. Uh, first thing that you're taught when you get to the unit before you even learn your job is that there is a call tree, and what you do in an emergency situation or in this kind of situation is you'd call the commander and uh, a few other people, and then those people, it goes from the top down, and then uh, you know the sergeants, we call their subordinates, and, uh, and officers would as well. And then everybody would come into work, and within a couple of hours, it, it should be fully staffed. So um, in this process, they were told, my friend was told not to call anybody in, um, which uh, later on, the intelligence officer that was in charge there of intelligence, uh, part of the unit, he came in in the morning and, and said, why wasn't I called? And I don't want to say his name over the radio, but he, he's a good man, and, and um and he, and he was just as upset as everybody else. Um, so, so with this, um, I'm going to get back on track here with, uh, with exactly uh, the next processes. So they uh, eventually go and rescue these guys, um, not, you know, of course, uh, the survivors and not rescue, but they picked them up from the airport. And uh, the way that they were uh, walking them 
to the planes, I, uh, it seemed like they were um, more uh, more like captives than actual uh, being actually being rescued or, or taken to safety. Uh, they had uh, I, I can't say too much about it, but you, you could clearly see that based on uh, what we were watching as it did happen. So um, with all this, I stayed quiet after seeing this um, and knowing that that we should have already had people there to help right away. Um, you know, it, it lasted for 13 hours and we didn't get anybody there. It doesn't make any sense. Um, especially considering a major portion of where I worked was designed for that exact situation to react. Um, so uh, after this all went, this all happened, I stayed quiet. I was pretty upset about the situation. I knew something was terribly wrong. And who are you going to talk to about it? You know, even our commanders were upset. They, they, uh, you know, they're good men, and they, they the situation was. Um, kind of out of their control and, and so after that I just kind of stayed quiet and I actually my next base I went to I was I didn't even really talk to many people because I was afraid that it would start talking about what I had seen and what I knew and uh, and all it would take is a deployment and then catching a stray bullet wherever they would send me you know and, and of course um, that, that's all it would take to, to get rid of me and there was only a few people like myself in that uh, combat reports position that had all the information and compiled it and had all the records and everything like that. And everybody else kind of had their own little silo of what they did and uh, didn't really get exposed to everything except for the commander update brief that I made every day and the other people that did my job. So you were in a unique position because you were getting access to a, a, a bunch of different information that would normally, in a way, be compartmentalized, right, within each individual's task being, you know, you're, they're going to collect specific data for a specific thing. You're, you're the person who's in charge of taking all of that and putting it together and then presenting it on a regular basis to higher-ranking officers who make decisions. So this puts you in a unique perspective for – and obviously it, it speaks to, I believe, your uh, level of comprehension and ability to understand broader – uh, uh, you know things happening, and that's what we're going to get into here later, which is which is important because we're going to talk about some crazy stuff. Of course, it's Tinfoil Friday, and I want to thank you for joining me here on the show, my friend. But we're talking about Benghazi, and I think it's it's a little bit of a older thing that took place. It's it's not very fresh in a lot of people's memories. So, for context to to make it more clear. Let's talk about just you talk about the 13 hours. We all know the Hollywood movie that was made uh, about it. And we, we understand that there were I believe it was five individuals whose lives were lost that day who it was all unnecessary. But let's talk about why Benghazi as a as a event, as a, as a kind of a, a, a demarcation line of, of when things started turning south, why it was such an important event that day from your understanding what was the significance of Benghazi? Because we've talked about things I know in the past related to, and I know you can't speculate a lot because you speak to only to what you know, and I appreciate that. But just for reference, what did you see as, and what would, what has been commonly the more important thing? Because we have Hillary Clinton saying things like this, and I'll play this clip real quick, and then uh, we'll kind of let you give your take on what Benghazi the, the actual incident was because 
This is where they said that an embassy was stormed because of uh, a video that was circulating online, but that all turned out to be a lie. But then also they allowed this to happen, like you pointed out. But, but here's Hillary when she was being pressed in front of Congress about her role and involvement in Benghazi itself. With all due respect, the fact is we had four dead Americans. Was it because of a protest or was it because of guys out for a walk one night who decided they'd go kill some Americans? What difference at this point does it make? So you hear her, she says, you know, it's just guys out on a walk, right? Do, do you think from what you saw in your position that what happened at Benghazi was just some guys out on a walk? But do you, or do you think that it's possible, and I, and I know without speculating beyond what your, your information is that you have or that you can share, um, do you think it's possible that, that Ambassador Stevens had more information than he should have had or he was involved in things related to the Obamas and the Clintons that would be a reason why uh, it, this is again Hillary Clinton's the uh, Secretary of State at the time a lot of this was running through her through Obama's administration so so you, you, you saw in real time the stand down order which she tells us doesn't matter and, and what difference does it make but like let's get context for what Benghazi was the, the thing that they want to keep sweeping under the rug and, and having us forget Sure. Um, and, you know, as you were saying, she was running everything to include the response at that time, which, for whatever reason, the military was trumped by the State Department. And it, that doesn't work that way. It had to have been from much higher up uh, for that to happen. So Hillary, as you said, was uh, running point on that. And, and she made it seem like there was some sort of casual attack that happened. That's way wrong. There were, there were warnings way ahead of time. And so check this out. Before this all happened, she recently had gone to meet with the installed dictator um, over in Egypt that she or she had helped later, I think it was later, ended up putting him in there. Uh, and so after the attack, something that happened simultaneously right after that was that uh, during um, the attacks in Benghazi is they went to Egypt and took over the embassy in Egypt. And those Marines were told to put their weapons away and let them take the embassy. And as you remember, probably if you pay attention to current events like you have been, like you always do, you saw that the uh, that guy was standing trial, uh, that man, and then he said just before he went took the stand behind a bulletproof glass that uh, he had information that was going to take down a whole bunch of people. And he was poisoned before he could take the stand coming back from recess, and he died right there on the stand. So um, what does this all mean? It's actually uh, part of a much bigger picture where Hillary was involved in much more than she should have been. She, man, she really um, was a control freak and a sociopath, this lady. So, so this guy, Mark Turry. Mark Turry was in charge of the covert weapons program that basically sent small arms fire rifles, fully automatic weapons and grenades, that sort of stuff through Benghazi, and they were supposed to go to the Syrian rebels, and uh, and they never really got there. Uh, they, they were supposed to. And, and so she took over the covert weapons program, only supposed to be a small arms fire, and she was the person who sent weapons through their Singer missiles that uh, were not even authorized to go through there. 
you know, she just did whatever she wanted to do. And, what, and, and, and to be clear, what, what you're referencing when you say rebels in Syria, you're talking about the quote-unquote moderate rebels that turned out to be ISIS that we were arming to destabilize that region in a, a covert proxy war against, I guess, Russia and, and the broader uh, uh, implications there. Am I correct? Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, so initially the rebels were um, – you know, you know, quote unquote, moderate rebels, and they were they were fighting in Syria, and um, they were getting material support in the, in the beginning, and then there was a point where we kind of just it, it stopped, like I said, and then when that stopped, they got massacred uh, a few times. There's big groups of them; they got just eliminated. So um, they were they were basically asking for help um, with the situation after that that we created. And then here comes ISIS, right? And ISIS comes in there, um, and we have provided the weapons to them. And uh, it's a CIA, it was a CIA um, asset run op. So uh, they, all the weapons that were going through Benghazi are supposed to go to the Syrian rebels. Um, we even provided, uh, we provided a lot of other things too, and it never went there. They needed help. They called for help. They got ISIS. And then from there, ISIS is going around uh, destroying, raping, and pillaging across the Middle East. And these guys are traveling in caravans on uh, you know, the um, Toyota Tundra trucks, which are in a caravan in the middle of the night in the desert. So, okay, so if you got night vision and you're looking over from the top, there's nothing else around. You can see these guys clearly miles away you know, from anything. And it's very easy. All we had to do was just, you know, uh, launch a strike right there and they would have been done but that's not what they wanted so uh it went on a little further um so that was a kind of a sidebar thing that they wanted to happen anyway um, but the real reason that the stinger missiles went through there i found out later and that's because um after getting out of the military i decided to blow the whistle i went to uh congressman susan brooks i've never said her name on radio or publicly but she she announced she wasn't running for office again after I had mentioned that I went to someone. Uh, she she announced that only a few weeks later, the first initial radio uh, interview I did. And uh, so I went to Susan Brooks's office, and I told uh, the chief of staff, or actually the people that were there, I said, I need to talk to her. I want to tell her I got more information on Benghazi. And uh, I went there, uh, called, and then eventually got a call back, and it was from her chief of staff. And her chief of staff said that that investigation is over and we're not interested in any new information or a deposition. Wow. All right. So so th- this story gets much more deep and we're going to go in it. We're, we're essentially diving in the rabbit hole already. We have this and other topics. You're here for the whole two hour show. So everybody stay tuned. This is a big interview. This is a good friend of mine. And uh, he's going to be telling us not just what he's already exposed, but we're going to do some more kind of uh, breaking down other things that uh, you're going to want to hear. Stay tuned, everyone. You're listening to Just Informed Talk Radio. I'm your host, Craig James. We're joined by Nick No. We'll be back after the break.
This is Craig James from Just Informed Talk Radio, and I want to take a second to tell you about my friends over at thefreedompeople.org. You guys haven't tried them. You need to give them a call today. All you have to do is go to thefreedompeople.org and set up your call. And what can they help you do? Well, through legal and lawful processes, they'll help you reduce exposure to the tax man or other bureaucratic bodies. They can help you do things like set up express trusts, which help manage your business assets and affairs effectively and privately while helping you gain greater control of you and your family family's future. It can also help you do things like set up private membership associations, which help you restructure your business in a way that allows you to run it exactly how you want. If you believe your children should be able to receive their inheritance without paying an arm and leg in taxes and that taxes are unjust, the government ceases to represent the interests of its people. I want you to take a second today to go to the T-H-E, freedompeople.org and schedule your call. Let them know I sent you. But more importantly, help make sure that your future is protected and that your business and your family are protected. Hi folks, Joe Jaquin here from the Half Empty Cup of Joe Show. Are you worried about investing in the stock market, especially with Joe Biden in office? Do you really trust this economy? What if you could invest in a secure, collateralized portfolio with a high fixed rate of return that's not correlated to the stock market or the Fed? A portfolio where you know what each monthly statement will look like with no surprises. Your interest is compounded daily. You're paid monthly and there are no fees. You can turn your income on or off, compound it, whatever you choose. And get this, there's absolutely no loss of principal if you ever need your money back. Go to investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, R-E-F-Y.com, or call 888-YREFI24. You can earn a fixed rate of return that's up to 10.25%. Just call 888-YREFI24 or go to investyrefi.com and tell them Joe sent you. Suck upon somebody on a sidewalk. Carjacking old lady at a red light. Pull a gun on the owner of a liquor store. You think it's cool, act a fool if you like. Cuss out a cop, spit in his face. Stomp on the flag and light it up. Yeah, you think it's tough. Well, try that in a small town. Welcome back to Just Form Talk Radio. I'm your host, Craig James. And, you know, we have our special guest here, Air Force veteran with a background of intelligence, worked at AFRICOM, EARCOM. He's also the Benghazi whistleblower who's been giving us a very complex breakdown of what happened, not only that day, but we're now getting into more broader context of the implications uh, behind what happened with Benghazi, Ambassador Stevens, and others being allowed to die that day unnecessarily because of actions being taken, presumably by Hillary Clinton as Secretary of State and others at higher levels like Obama controlling her. Now we talk about this and how it connects to weapons trafficking into the Middle East, the creation of ISIS, the formation of ISIS, I should, I should say, and, and then we're getting into like a, a bunch of other uh, kind of offshoots of what that implicates. But my good friend, uh, Nick No, thank you for joining us uh, again. I, I mean, all I can say is that when we listen to you break it down, it, I'm doing this specifically to uh, establish your background for the audience so that as we talk about more things going forward, they understand that you know, you're coming from a perspective of somebody who is 
used to seeing a, a clearer picture than most and that's putting it mildly would that be a fair way to say it yeah i, I see things from the thirty thousand foot view um downwards the same way all of the uh, the general officers would there in command of their assets and and uh, so I'm used to seeing the smaller pieces and how they're interrelated and connected to the others, and they're all interdependent to make an operation work, which is what which is what we're gonna we're gonna get into a little later. Uh, I'm gonna really break it down how it came to this point, starting all the way back to the time whenever Kennedy was assassinated. But, November twenty second, nineteen sixty three. And I want to make this clear to the audience: if you want to call or text at any point. The line's open, 877-536-1360. Call or text that number if you have questions, comments, or anything that you want to share with uh, Nick and, and get his uh, opinion on while he's here. I want to put that out there because I know our audience is, is active and they'll be uh, wanting to chime in. But but let's. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to just shut up and let you go with the rest of your kind of uh, your story here because I think. Once we get through that, like you said, we're going to get into some other stuff. So let's just pick up where we left off. You went to the, the congresswoman. You asked, and you, you apparently now are revealing her name publicly, which you've never done. And what happens from there? Yeah, and uh, I'm not, you know, I can't say for certain, and she could always say different, that, uh, it, that she seemingly said she wasn't going to be running for reelection, and it could have been due to that, and I suspect it was. I could never prove it, but and if it was, then she kind of did the right thing by stepping down at that point. It seems like she's she made a mistake, or or you know she knew that she was responsible for the mistake that her uh, chief of staff had made. So um, after that, um, you know, we had Ambassador Stevens, Sean Smith, Ty Woods, and Glenn Doherty all killed there, and um, and uh, so after at the end of the conversation there with her chief of staff, she said. I sounded audibly upset in my voice, I'm sure, and uh, because she, they, they just weren't interested in pursuing anything, or at least getting the information on the record. So um, she said, well, why don't you call the FBI then? So I said, you know, have you been watching the news? At that point, James Comey and, and, and company had been doing some really shady stuff at the FBI, and not all the people at the FBI are bad. It's just, it's always a handful of uh, hand-selected top people, and we'll get into why all that went down and has happened that way, uh, the infiltration from within. But uh, so I saw, uh, after that, I contacted the FBI, told them where I worked, when I worked there, um, and then I had more information. And they could have easily, actually I didn't tell them that, uh, they could have looked up where I worked, um, uh, and they chose not to. They could have gone to Office of Personnel Management and seen exactly where I was working, and then I had credible information an account for them to get on the record and they just uh, they never called me back after that the FBI so I kind of gave up at that point because I didn't know is that corrupt and there's nowhere else you could really go uh, who am I supposed to trust and um, so I let some time pass and then I see a radio or a YouTube interview with uh, uh, Ty Woods father Charles Woods and he was on an interview with Dave Janda so Dave had him on there, and he was explaining that he's been lied to the entire time. He has no idea what happened to his son. And, and it was awful to hear that. And I, I immediately contacted Dave Janda through an email, and he wrote back quickly. And I was lucky enough to have him see my message because he, he gets 
he has a radio show too. He, he gets emails all day and, um, you know, he responded and I, he connected me with Charles and I told him what happened. And, uh, and after that conversation, uh, I was put in touch with a couple of generals uh, who also had uh, an interest in what I, I could provide for them. And they had uh, other people who were witnesses just like myself that they connected me to. And then we started to piece everything together um, you know, just the same way we would at the Air and Space Operations Center I worked. We took all the little pieces and the big pieces, putting them together to see how they're connected. And uh, the common denominator was that uh, it was Hillary Clinton is the biggest problem out of all of it. Um, so I talked to him and uh, uh, talked to the generals, and then the generals started having me and the other witnesses go on radio shows and YouTube channels and uh, just disseminating the, the true information about what had happened. And along the way, I was introduced to Alan Perot, who is a, uh, was a Falcon trainer, and he was in the Middle East for a very long time. Uh, and he, and he, and he uh, is an absolute fanatic for uh, uh, birds and, and birds of prey in particular, and he's an expert. So that's why the Middle East, um, UAE, Saudi Arabia, and company, they all really enjoyed his help with training the falcons that they use to go hunting. Um, you know, for us, we'd have cigars and, and some cognac and, and sit in the library and with your buddies and talk or whatever, but for them, they would go falcon hunting, and he was always present for those. So um, well, we're going to hit a break here in a minute. So let's let's kind of um, – I mean, this is always going to go in a direction, folks, that I can't even begin to explain because then we're getting into things like Osama bin Laden and SEAL Team 6. So it, it the, the rabbit hole is deep, and there is a lot to cover here. But before we do that, I just want to <clears throat> let everyone know that, you know, what Nick's doing – is in in a large part a part of his, his belief that you know the information needs to get out there and the generals he's talking about working with are, are also patriots who love this country and want to see information get out to the public that otherwise wouldn't and and nick i guess really quick you, you got less than a minute why isn't hillary in jail hillary's not in jail because she's protected by the same people who were involved with Kennedy's assassination. All right, so when we come back, that's where I want to pick up. And we can go wherever direction you want if you want to talk more about Alan or you want to talk about that. But but I really want to start getting into where we're going to start for today's rabbit hole, you know, uh, red pill that we're taking. We're diving in the rabbit hole, tinfoil Friday. We're going to start November 22nd, 1963, and how a series of events from that day going forward has led us to exactly where we're at now. And uh, there's a lot to unpack here. So when we come back, we're going to be joined for the rest of the show by my friend Nick No, the whistleblower, Air Force veteran, intelligence, uh, with a background in intelligence, who has a very acute understanding of the history behind what brought us to where we are today stay tuned folks you're listening to just informed talk radio i'm your host craig james we'll be back after a quick break 
Blue Dragon Spa is a man-friendly spa with women bringing their husbands and significant others in for pedicures all the time. Men's feet hurt too, don't forget. Blue Dragon Spa, 1811 Hover Street, Suites A and B, Longmont, Colorado, 720-680-0492. This is Mark Call, host of the Come Out of Her My People show here on the Roar of the Rockies. Tune in to discover why, whether it's the law of the land or scripture, what you've probably heard it says is not what is written. It's time to come out of all of that. This is a man's world. Ow! But it Welcome back to Just Informed Talk Radio. I'm your host, Craig James, and that was a little James Brown and Pavarotti for you. It, this is a man's world, and I'm joined by a good friend of mine, Nicholas No. He is uh, commonly known as the Benghazi whistleblower, but he's an uh, Air Force veteran, intelligence background, who's been breaking down what he exposed and helped expose with others uh, about what happened with Benghazi, and we, we kind of have... We're, we're we're kind of getting the brief history of it because, Nick, I know we could probably go for many hours just in, in the complex detail of what happened, not only that day, but then what subsequently came out of that. We could even go, uh, I mean, it, it, it does, in fact, draw all the way into Osama bin Laden, and it, it draws into SEAL Team 6 and what happened there. And I don't know what direction you want to take. I mean, I'm... I'm the show is is basically yours at, at this point. I'm I'm kind of stepping back and letting you expose expose what you want to get out there because this is like information that needs to get out to the public. And, and I know you've been sitting on this for a while, so you have a lot to say. I know that uh, we've obviously we've been friends for a while, and uh, I know what what you've kind of been going through behind the scenes and uh, to to whatever degree and. I want to give you the time and give you the, the kind of freedom to go whichever direction you want. But if anybody wants to ask a question, have a comment, chime in, the call and text line is open, 877-536-1360. Feel free to chime in and text whatever you want. Now, now, Nick, what direction do you want to take it? Because we can go back in, in time or we can go with finishing your thought that you, you are following. Whatever direction you want to take it, I'll just let you kind of lead the way. Okay. So um, ultimately, I was. Uh, we worked together to put together the full picture of what happened in Benghazi, and the real question that we couldn't figure out, the piece of the puzzle, was why? Why did they send the Stinger missiles through Benghazi? Why was it so important to go back and recover those, or what they could, uh, through there? And uh, why did they want them all to die? 
And I found out the answer. Um, turns out that bin Laden was in Iran the whole time, and John Brennan put him there. John Brennan put him there, and they made a secret agreement between uh, a couple of countries. I'll, I'll let things play out, and maybe President Trump will tell the truth about the end part of it. Um, but John Brennan put him there in Iran for uh, under house arrest. So wait, now, this, this is one. kind of a big thing. That, I mean, most people now... I mean, the official story, Nick, is that he was in Pakistan, and you're saying now that he was actually in Iran. Yes, he was in Iran, uh, Iran the whole time, and um, and he was under house arrest. They did let him go out falcon hunting, though, because as I was saying, that's the one thing where um, they can all kind of put their differences aside, and it's kind of like their um, their golf or whatever you want to call it. They go hunting with their falcons. So bin Laden was in Iran the whole time, and uh, eventually Alan Perot confronted um, uh, Iran and our State Department. He told Hillary Clinton about what was going on. He sent a DVD with all the evidence, audio recordings, documents, everything. And um, he sent it uh, to other people, too, you know, because you can't count on one person to do the right thing. And that's definitely a constant that I've seen with the government. A lot of people just seemingly don't have the courage to do the right thing, and I blame it on uh, the fact that our country has gone away from God and uh, doing and understanding um, that it's important for you to do the right thing uh, as as best you can. And, and you know, some people are under duress and, and so on. But so so uh, wait. So, so you're saying that that John Brennan brokered a deal with Iran, and and I think this is important to understand is that you know. Osama represented a, 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 a Sunni faction of Islam that w- is, has been in direct conflict with what would be the counterpart as a Shia, uh, you know, uh, Islam. And so you're saying that a Sunni Islamic leader in Osama bin Laden was, was brokered in a deal to the Shia Iranians who put him under house arrest? Is that what you're trying to tell us? Yes, that's correct. And as part of the deal, um, there were a couple other countries that were part of the deal, and, and he was supposed to not attack the United States anymore. Uh, but he had free reign to do whatever else he wanted. And, of course, I I'm not even sure that he had much to do with the initial attacks in 9-11. We could talk about that, and that's going to take a whole uh, show to, to explain everything. So um, ultimately, he found out that bin Laden was in Iran. I got Joe Biden's attorney that was published. It was his uh, chief of staff. Um, it was um, uh, who basically was put in charge of the International Crimes Task Force at, at that time, or one of the top people in it. So basically, so Joe Biden had his former chief of staff um, in charge of the International Crimes Task Force, or high in it, whenever he was the vice president. And what did this do for him? It, it made it so that the uh, fox was in the hen house. They knew everything before it happened. They could get people out of the way. They could um, change what they're doing to not get caught. All that sort of stuff. It gave him a heads up. Um, so uh, he actually admitted on audio that he knew that bin Laden was in Iran, and uh, him and the people he's associated with knew that. 
and they said that they don't want to get him. He knew that they didn't want to get him. And it's because they needed a, a an enemy or a boogeyman to go after so that they could um, go into these countries. And yeah, I mean, o- Osama provided the existential threat necessary to sell the American people on these wars that took place subsequently after 9-11, right? Yeah, and, you know, don't forget that he was a CIA asset. Yeah, I mean, and actually they've been locked. That's the craziest thing is that he was working for the CIA in, in the 80s and 90s, right? Or 80s, I guess, and probably 90s when during the, the Russia conflict in Afghanistan, right? Yes, absolutely. So what they decided to do was to support um, the uh, the Taliban there and give them everything they needed to fight the Russians. They were shooting down their helicopters left and right. They did a really good job. Uh, I think Mujahideen was involved with that, uh, especially. But... Um, you know that's that's what was was going on at the time. So Bin Laden actually was a CIA asset, and it's honestly likely that he probably didn't have a whole lot to do with the uh, the attacks of 9/11. But you know he could have. I I don't have uh, all that information definitely because I didn't see any reports or anything about that. But so he got Bin Laden in Iran. They go to kill him in Pakistan. He, so one of the options that was given to them. Was to be, wait, 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 uh, wait, wait. People are going to want to, you're going to want to stay tuned, folks. Nick knows going to tell us the whole inside baseball on what actually happened. Osama bin Laden wasn't in Pakistan. He was originally in Iran and then moved to Pakistan or, or something like that. We're going to listen and let Nick explain further. Stay tuned, folks. You're listening to Just Inform Talk Radio. I'm your host, Craig James, joined by... Air Force veteran uh, Nick No, who's going to keep breaking it down. We'll be back after a break. Hello, friends. This is Bradley Dean, show host for the Sons of Liberty. Join me on KHNC 1360 AM every weekday at 8 p.m., Saturdays at 5 to 7 p.m., and Sundays from 6 to 8 p.m. Hi, this is Ron Tafoya, owner and operator of New Method Cleaners, Northern Colorado's oldest dry cleaners. Men's clothing to women's fashions, we clean it all. Give us a call with all your cleaning questions. If we don't clean it, we might have a solution. We have two locations to serve you in Severance and Fort Collins. Please call us at 970-775-0623. 970-775-0623. Just Form Talk Radio. I'm your host, Craig James. We're joined by special guest, friend of myself personally in the show now, Nick No. He is 
commonly known as the Benghazi whistleblower. He is an Air Force veteran with a background in intelligence who's given his, uh, you know, assessment of what happened on Benghazi to the chagrin, I'm sure, of many who would have otherwise liked him to keep his mouth shut. And, of course, now that information has led us down a rabbit hole on this Tinfoil Friday here on Just Informed Talk Radio where we're exploring what happened with regard to Osama bin Laden. You were about to tell us a major part of the truth, apparently, according to you, obviously, of what happened with bin Laden, that he was actually being, he was brokered in an exchange after 9-11 to Iran, who held him as under house arrest, which you're saying was there, was a part of a deal made, and I would assume that was a part of uh, the JCPOA or, or something, or, or what led to the JCPOA, it was some sort of good faith uh, a gesture so that they could get to the, the Iranian nuke deal. Is that the, is that what essentially is a good characterization of that? You're, uh, you're sorry, sorry. On Hold that. on. Start over. I, I now you're on. Go. Okay, I think you're pretty close uh, on that one, uh, and that remains to be seen. So uh, all I know is that when they moved him over to Pakistan for the trophy kill, it was part of the deal, as you know. And uh, they went back on that deal at the last second, and he was pulled out and went back to Iran um, at the last second. And that's, well, I've heard that they got him and that they didn't got him, but I think it's 95% likely that he made it back to Iran safely. Um, But whenever they went there, before they went, part of the deal was that Iran was going to give him back, give him to joint custody or to the United States or do the trophy kill. There was like six or six or seven different options. And then, uh, so Hillary chose the least, you know, the, the worst choice, which was the trophy kill. And they decided to do that. And uh, so they sent him over there for the trophy kill. When they go in to the airspace, they were already in Pakistani airspace. Then they go to uh, the compound and do the raid. He wasn't there and it was his son um, who actually was killed, at least that's what I believe, and uh, which would explain the next thing that happened. Uh, so uh, they pull him out of there at the last second. They go in, do the raid, and um, and then they said they got the uh, they said they got him and took him back over to the navy ship and then gave him a, a Muslim burial at sea. And Muslims are not allowed to be buried at sea unless it's absolutely necessary for the safety of everybody else, just a disease or something. They have to have their feet facing Mecca. That is, so John Brennan was the person who said this. He's the guy who put that story out. Oh, yeah, we buried him at sea, Muslim burial. Sure. John Brennan being Uh, the former director of the CIA. Yeah. Who who has uh, has, uh, proclaimed in his own words that he was a long-haired hippie who converted to Islam in, uh, I think, Malaysia or somewhere in that region. Yeah, just, I mean, for reference, so people understand who we're talking about. Yeah, and John Brennan was in the Middle East for a long time, and people knew him, uh, and he he was around there. And um, so, of course, naturally, he'd be involved in all of this. And, you know, so after the raid, whether they killed him or didn't kill him, um, they dumped the body over the Hindu Kush mountains. There's a very famous Pulitzer Prize winning journalist that 
that did the story on this and explained that's what really happened. And he's been he's the same guy that was the journalist on the the pipeline that was destroyed over in Europe from the Russian pipeline. So, All right, so um, we have one more break. We're coming up an hour or two. We have a whole other hour. I want you to, to save your spot right where you're at because I think I know where this is going, and this is going in a direction that gets pretty dark. People are going to want to stay tuned. There's a lot of valuable information that we're going to get. And then in the second hour, we're going to get into the, the history of how we got here starting on November 22nd, 1963. Stay tuned. We'll be back. This is Just Informed Talk Radio. It's the most wonderful time of the year. The FBI says nearly 400,000 burglaries occur from now to the end of the year. Tom and Leslie share tips on how best to secure your home. Catch the Money Pit Home Improvement Show Saturday mornings at 11 right here on KHNC The Lion. Off-Road Automotive offers a wide range of used automobiles for all of your off-road and on-road needs. From classic Jeep CJ7s to high-end sporty Corvettes and everyday commuters, they have a vehicle for you. Bad credit or no credit, no problem. Their professional finance team has you covered. Give them a visit at 1392 Denver Avenue in Fort Lupton or give them a call at 303-502-3230. KHNC, the roar of the Rockies. I'm Neil Cavuto, and this is the Fox Business Report. Job creation was slightly stronger than expected in November. There were 199,000 new positions created. The unemployment rate declined to 3.7%. The end of the United Auto Workers strike resulted in a step up in manufacturing. The labor force participation rate rose to 62.8, a sign of people returning to the workforce. Your next Apple device could be made in India or Vietnam. Multiple reports say Apple will be making iPads in Vietnam and is looking to produce a quarter of its iPhones in India over the next three years. Honeywell is buying Carrier Global's security unit for nearly $5 billion. The unit makes electronic locks for hotels and hospitals. That's your Fox Business Report. I'm Ginny Cosola. Invested in you. Untuck it has everything he needs this holiday season. Shop now and save big with our biggest sale of the year happening at untuckit.com or at any of the 80 plus Untuckit stores. Untuckit shirts are designed to be worn untucked. They keep him looking sharp and feeling comfortable. He'll love to unwrap one of our iconic button downs, super soft flannels, or cozy sweaters. Get them while they last during our biggest sale of the year. Shop Untuckit's biggest sale of the year happening now at untuckit.com or at any of our over 80 stores. The Tree Farm's 50-cent tree sale is going on now. Choose from thousands of carry-out-sized trees that are easy to handle and easy to plant. While supplies last, buy the first tree at regular price and mix or match a second tree for only 50 cents. Thousands of shade trees, flowering trees, fruit trees, evergreen trees, ornamental trees, and more. Also, huge savings on shrubs and perennials. You Come take see. I-25 to exit 235, then five miles west to the Tree Farm. 
As the economy collapses, are you prepared to provide even basic essentials for your family? I teach Urban Survival Training course that arms you with hundreds of skills and hacks to keep you and yours going when everyone else gives up. Food and water are only the beginning. Call the Rev at 303-809-3343. That's 303-809-3343. The views and opinions expressed on 1360 KHNC are entirely those of the host, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Excursion Broadcasting Network. Welcome back to Justin Forum Talk Radio. I'm your host, Craig James. And, of course, this is hour two of the Justin Forum Talk Radio show, and we have a, a major guest here today, the Benghazi whistleblower, Air Force veteran Nick No, whose background in intelligence is giving us a deep insight into a number of different things. Today is, of course, Tinfoil Friday, and we've been diving into the rabbit hole, taking the red pill with our good friend, Nick No, who has spent the first hour giving us uh, an idea of his background, what work he's done in the military, what led him to become a whistleblower. And we're kind of wrapping up the story of how Benghazi ties into Osama bin Laden and the truth there that you guys are going to want to hear. So we're bringing back, and, and for everybody who's just joining us, welcome to the show. Uh, of course, our good friend, Nick No is uh, breaking it all down for us. And Nick, where we left it was a very, like almost a cliffhanger, I think, for the audience as to, to, but I think I know where you were going. You were talking about how Osama bin Laden had been brokered to Iran as a part of a, a secret deal that was made by Hillary Clinton and John Brennan, the former director of the CIA under the Obama administration. So we got to include Obama on this because he obviously was uh, at that point, the executive uh, uh, in, in control who would have been at least greenlighting this, maybe not masterminding, but greenlighting. And what you're telling us is that he was brokered there and then they agreed to do a trophy kill, but it wasn't a trophy kill because at the last second you say you believe Osama was brought back to Iran, given back to the mullahs there, and that now we're picking up where SEAL Team 6 is deployed. They do the raid on his home, his supposed compound in Pakistan, which led to what you believe was the murder of his son, not Osama, and then I guess pick up from there. Yeah, the, the raid in the Abbottabad compound, you've got uh, one of the SEALs that was there. His name is Mark Owens. He wrote a book before having it cleared by the Pentagon shortly thereafter. It 
and he even did some interviews. And what really caught my eye, his book is called No Easy Day. What caught my eye the most, and I think this is ultimately what got him, because he had, he had his book pulled, um, uh, and he was allowed not allowed to make a single penny off his book. The DOD didn't approve it, so uh, it was retracted. I mean, basically, his, his money was taken away from him. But I don't think that was really what it was about. I think it was because when he did his interview, in one of his uh, TV interviews, he said that he did not recognize bin Laden. He, and, and okay, so in the Middle East, there aren't that many people that are six foot, what is he, six foot four, six, six five, something like that. He's a really tall guy. Uh, he's got a really lanky body, and he looks like Osama bin Laden. His picture has been in every single country for decades, over a decade at that time. Um, and you're telling me that you did not recognize him anywhere in there, even after the fact, he couldn't say that he recognized him. So, uh, you know, that's, I think that's ultimately what made him get into trouble is because he said that he didn't recognize Bin Laden. Um, you know, and there could be a reason for that. I, uh, other than that, I just don't know, but it's certainly started to align that way. So, and we'll fast forward a little bit, you got the Iran deal happened where we gave them a whole bunch of money on pallets. Uh, with pallets of cash, that was kickbacks back to the politicians, Obama and company for book deals, fake book deals or whatever. And then, of course, some of the money went back to Iran, and they got the money too because they, they had them blackmailed. You know, what are you going to do? Iran will be like, look, we had Bin Laden. They're, they lied. And uh, not only that, we've had them the whole time. How would the American people react to that? They'd want, they'd want uh, military tribunals for that, I'm sure, uh, for the treason that they committed. So they had to go along with it, and they gave them the money. And, yeah, uh, I mean, that would so, explain why they're sending pallets of cash to Iran for no real discernible reason. Yes, it, precisely. The same way Sam, Sam Bankman-Free was laundering money back from Ukraine, there is Bitcoin to the politicians. It's the same scam, different day. Um, and, and so let's, let's leave that there where it's at if you want to watch the whole – interview and, and uh, information about it, you can go to Anna Kate's Rumble channel, Anna, A-N-N-A-K-H-A-I-T is her last name, and if you go to some of her earliest videos, you can find the uh, presentation I gave at the American Priority Conference with Charles Woods, and uh, it's an hour long approximately, and then, of course, the exit interview that I gave afterward is also there, and uh, now I'd like to tie everything back to Hillary Clinton, the CIA, and how all of this came about, how it got so utterly corrupt and out of control. Yeah, so so um, for everybody listening, this, we're again, Tinfoil Friday, just from Talk Radio. Nick's going to take us on a, a, a time travel. We're going to go through history here. So let's start November 22nd, 1963. Is that where we're going to pick up? Uh, so to just before that. So um, I'm going to sound like I'm kind of on a rant here, but I've got pages and pages of this uh, ultimately organized so it's easily digestible hopefully so i want to make it clear that it was not the mafia it was not the cubans it was not the russians who killed jfk and i can tell you this definitely or definitely because when he was killed he was taken from uh, the the dallas hospital to the bethesda naval hospital and en route to go to get his autopsy done he was put in a bronze casket by Aubrey Reich at O'Neill Funeral Home on November 22, 1963 at Parkland Memorial Hospital. 
And so when they got to the Bethesda, the technician, Paul O'Connor, who received the, um, his body, um, uh, said he received a pinkish gray casket with a gray body bag. And in between there, the, the body was altered. There was a cut that was put into his skin and the top right area of his skull where, um, where he was shot from the front and they wanted to hide that. So that was what they were doing. They were trying to erase the evidence. Um, so that way the shot from the front, uh, would not be apparent or at least be able to be covered up. So, um, so what does this mean? Okay. So if you're able to alter the body that is completely protected by the secret service crawling everywhere on air force one on the way over there, switch the casket, alter the body and put him in a whole new casket and in a body bag before that he was just wrapped in a sheet, according to Aubrey Wright. So there's an FBI memo that explains how there was a surgery to his head. And if you look at the pictures at the Bethesda Naval Hospital, they always take pictures just before they uh, do the autopsy. And when they took the picture, you'll see the, the cut that looks like someone took a pocket knife and cut his head to peel it back where the bullet entrance wound on the front was. And uh, so Kennedy's press secretary even uh, pointed to where he was shot in the head at his press conference initially about it. And uh, years later, the doctors that saw Kennedy in the ER went on PBS's NOVA program, and they took him to the National Archives to look at the photos from the moments before the autopsy. He said it looked the same, except the alteration of the skin at the top, of the top right side of his head where an incision was made. So how did they get access to the body from in between um, the hospital in Dallas to the Naval Hospital in Bethesda? You, the only way you could do that is if you um, were in the government within that circle at that time. So the investigation of Kennedy's murder was sabotaged by our own government at the highest levels right away. So what does that mean, really? So they were accessories before the fact because they had planned for this. Uh, they had planned and, and they knew right away to alter the body. So the day of the assassination, Nobody had seen Kennedy's killers. There was no description on record, yet Lee Harvey Oswald was arrested because his description went out over the police radio. But nobody claimed to have seen the president's killers, and nobody knows where the description of Oswald came from. So how did the people involved know ahead of time that they need to alter Kennedy's wounds? And it happened uh, just before—the the alteration happened before Oswald's arrest, even— so Oswald clearly couldn't have been involved in it. He was residing in a theater that he didn't pay. Uh, didn't pay to go see the movie. And uh, so the men who altered Kennedy's bodies were accessories before the fact, and they were part of the operation from the beginning. All right, and then this so, is going to get into some bigger stuff. we got a break coming up. Everybody stay tuned. Nick's going to go down the rabbit hole here. We're going to talk about JFK, his assassination, who was really behind it, and what, what implications that has to this very day. Stay tuned. You're listening to Just Form Talk Radio. We'll be back after the break. This is Clay with Wagner Electric Company. We're out of Greeley. We're here to promote our Generac and Cummins standby generators and our service to the community with any electrical needs. We're located at 1517 2nd Avenue in Greeley, 970-800-3693. The biggest thing that we want to promote is that we set the standard and we're here to support you and your needs. 970-800-3693.
This is Rick Rodriguez. Christ said he would build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. Join me on Sundays from 9 to noon for the Olive Tree and Lampstand Ministry Radio Church Program on 1360 AM KHNC. Welcome back to Just Form Talk Radio. I'm your host, Craig James. We're joined by the Benghazi whistleblower, Air Force veteran Nick No, whose intelligence background is coming quite in handy right now as we are going through what happened in JFK, starting with the tampering of his body after his assassination to presumably cover up the fact that there were two shooters instead of the one that was originally sold as the uh, sole shooter in Lee Harvey Oswald. And, you know, Nick, the implications of what you're breaking down, I mean, a lot of people have essentially connected the dots. I mean, heck, the CIA has already come out and essentially all but admitted that they were behind the assassination to an extent of John F. Kennedy. So I guess continue on your, your, your point, but I mean, I know this is going to draw into all the way up to today, right? And what we're seeing happening with yep. Trump. So let, let's keep on that thread and uh, I'll let you keep going. All right. So um, after this all happened, I just explained how um, one of the doctors from the hospital in Dallas did an interview or a special on PBS uh, Nova uh, explaining what he, what he saw after uh, – the uh, before the autopsy, the photos before the autopsy. Okay, so Spotlight Magazine wrote a story citing a memo written by former director CIA or former CIA director Richard Helms that placed E. Howard Hunt in Dallas on the day of the assassination. So, uh, and he said that Hunt was a CIA assassin. This is a former uh, person high up in the CIA, and he said. Uh, that he's involved, and so Hunt sued the magazine for slander, and the jury found the magazine innocent. And Richard Holmes actually testified in that courtroom that Marito Lorenz was a CIA agent who worked for him. She was part of the Operation 40 and carried out raids against Cuba from 1960 to 1963. In November of 1963, she was working under Frank Sturges of the CIA. She testified that one day, Sturgis came by and told her to pack her bags and that they were going on a mission. She drove from uh, Miami, Florida to Dallas with Sturgis, with two station wagons full of men and guns to the Dallas motel. There was a knock at the door, and there stood E. Howard Hunt, and he began passing out maps and money. Okay, so this is important because um, you'll, you'll find out here in a minute how it all ties back, all right? So... Um, so Loren, Marita Loren said that she was getting the heck out of there and took a flight back to Miami because they were killing Cubans before, no big deal, but for, she knew that it was going to be an American and she didn't want to be involved. So President Kennedy was assassinated a day later. 
And one of the people there at the uh, location was Lee Harvey Oswald. She saw him there, and he was part of the people getting the information passed to him. So Sturgis uh, later returned saying that you should have been there. We made history. You missed the really big one. We killed the president. So Hunt later admitted on his deathbed on the Jesse Ventura show that he was a part of the operation and the assassination conspiracy. They called it the operation, the big show. There were photographs of Hunt being arrested that day of the assassination. The article listed him as a tramp along with other CAA agents, Frank Sturgis and Dan Carswell. The other two accomplices are, uh, have been uh, speculated, but that's not necessarily so important because the person who ran it is the most important. So um, the Rockefellers, this, this is going to tie back into everything. So this goes all the way back to um, – it ties back into the Rockefellers, DuPonts, the Harrimans, uh, who supported racism, Hitler, and genocide from the very beginning. So this is all tied back to Hoover, J. Edgar Hoover, and I'm going to explain why it's so important. So Hoover brought actions against the uh, – he was ahead of the FBI for like 40 years. He was a gay cross-dresser, and he was also racist too. Um, Hoover brought actions against the Rockefellers, DuPonts, for secretly giving vital formulas for synthetic gasoline and synthetic rubber to the Germans during wartime. Without this, the Nazis wouldn't have had fuel for their trucks and tires for their planes. And not only did they give the Nazis these formulas, they tried to hide them from the United States and Hoover caught them, okay? So, uh, so Hoover is not happy with these people. He knows them, he knows about them, and he even, so Hoover also investigated Union Bank in New York. In, in 1942, the bank was seized as a Nazi asset. Nazi asset. They were harboring uh, and laundering Nazi gold there. So the DuPont and Rockefellers only got a scolding uh, in front of the Congress, and it was about the same time when Smedley, you know, before that, it reminds me, Smedley Butler also dealt with these same people who also tried to overthrow the government once before that, and nothing happened when the bankers planned to overthrow the United States at that time. So this is all ties back to Prescott Bush. And uh, Prescott Bush um, finds out that the bank was seized. His bank, was, the Union Bank of New York, was a Nazi asset. He was the director and executive officer at that bank. So Prescott lived in America. He had a choice, and he still worked for the Nazis. So that principal German business partner was most infamous Nazi financier, uh, Fritz Tyson, an early enthusiastic and vitally important supporter of Hitler, and provided key money to Hitler in the start of uh, his politics. So Hoover knew that the Bushes were Nazis. This is important, and it'll come up later. So Prescott Bush is, was co-director with Averill Harriman at Union Bank, and Prescott was also a full partner at Brown Brothers Harriman. And uh, in the trial where E. Howard Hunt lost his slander case. He said that immediately after World War II, he was working directly for Averill Harriman. And Hunt reported, uh, reported directly to Averill Harriman when he was in Paris, France. So Nixon was brought into politics by Prescott Bush, and he was a senator at the time. Uh, Nixon employed Jack Ruby and also Hunt. Um, he even hired Connolly uh, for the Department of Treasury and who was in Kennedy's vehicle. 
and uh, started parroting the narrative that was said by the news, and it was all coordinated if you look back at it. Uh, so Hunt is connected to Harriman. Harriman is connected to President uh, Prescott Bush. Prescott is connected to Nixon, and Nixon hired Hunt and used them for the Watergate break-in. So E. Howard Hunt, the same guy that was present for the assassination of JFK, was also present at the Watergate break-in, and he ran it. So we'll get to why they were breaking in in a minute. So the Nazis tricked Truman into giving them control of the CIA when it was first formed. They worked around Eisenhower, which he warned about in his exit uh, uh, speech there. Bobby Kennedy, on the day of his assassination, told the Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist that the CIA and anti-Castro Cubans killed his brother. So Hoover knew back in 1960 three years before the assassination that Lee Harvey Oswald was working for the CIA. Hoover explained in his memo that Oswald was already on his radar, and this is why the, the time came to shut down the anti-Castro Cuban camps, and they asked for Oswald's help. So, because um, they already knew he was a CIA agent. So when the Warren Commission was investigating, when it was investigating Wagner Carr, the Texas attorney, um, attorney general, told them that Lee Harvey Oswald was working for the FBI and he was receiving $200 a month with the ID S-179. And uh, the commission didn't even ask Hoover about it. And of course they didn't because Oswald was spying on the CIA for the FBI. So in 1963, uh, Kennedy called Hoover in to uh, locate the secret training camps the CIA used to train the anti-Castro Cubans. The camps were so secret that not even Kennedy knew, um, practically nobody knew where they were. So Delphine Roberts, a secretary who helped run the CIA camp at Lake Poncha Train in Louisiana, said that she saw Lee Harvey Oswald just days before the FBI raided and seized all the weapons and shut it down. So this is all going to tie back in a minute with the Nazis and the Bushes. So remember Marita Lorenz, who was with, uh, who went to Dallas and was seen and saw um, E. Howard Hunt there with Oswald. She was with Frank Sturgis and had driven from Miami all the way to Dallas. And when Hunt was passing it out, she saw Oswald. And William Walters at the FBI produced a memo for Hoover saying that there had been an assassination. There would be an assassination attempt on November 22nd in Dallas. He got that information from Oswald. The Nazis uh, that Hoover busted in 1942 had set up his most important undercover informant at that time. So five days after the assassination, Hoover wrote a memo that was buried under 100,000 pages. It was classified, and Hoover put, it was not classified, I mean, excuse me, it was not classified, and he put the heading, Assassination of John F. Kennedy. He said that the FBI had been investigating a misguided anti-Castro Cuban group. And in the same memo, Hoover named CIA officer George Bush as associated with the anti-Castro Cuban group. And it suggests that Bush was the sole person at the CIA responsible for these people. And the memo point blank said that the day after the assassination, Bush showed up to answer questions about the activities of some of the misguided anti-Castro Cubans. And this showed that Bush was in the CIA in 1963. It means that Bush lied and committed perjury when he told the Senate that he had no CIA experience before becoming director in 1974. That also means that he was in the CIA 
when he ran for Senate and lost in 1964. He was also in the CIA when he ran and lost in 1970. So he was in the CIA when he was running for Congress. Keep that in mind, or the Senate. It, it also means that he was in the CIA when Nixon brought Bush into the White House, who also bring E. Howard Hunt with him. So Bush Sr. was recruited by uh, his father's, uh, Prescott Bush's, uh, business partner, Averill Harriman, who was one of the first recruiters for the CIA. And Alan Dulles was one of the first CIA directors. He was the first one. And he was chosen because he had connections with the Nazi bankers. So Dulles was a planner for the Bay of Pigs invasion in Cuba, and he launched it against Kennedy's orders, and Kennedy fired him, right? And so Dulles was uh, then basically put in charge of the Warren investigation. The criminals were investigating themselves at that time. So the Bay of Pigs invasion was launched from the Zapata oil rig in off the coast of Florida. And that oil rig was owned by none other than George Bush Sr. And Bush was also pictured outside of the book depository that day. And you can still find that picture online if you'd like to look for it. Um, are you still tracking with me? I, I mean, like, uh, this is, you know, a comprehensive explanation of what happened. And these details truly matter because I know where you're headed with this, I think. And it's going to tie into a lot of what we're seeing today. Because if you if you just continue the evolution and track of what you're saying, it explains what we're facing, what the deep state is essentially so uh we got a couple yeah. minutes why don't you keep going all right so bush senior's main connection to dulles was his father prescott bush in the 1930s and 40s alan dulles was a close associate of prescott bush and averill harriman and at the end of world war one prescott bush worked for army intelligence and before the cia existed so prescott had an intel background and not dulles who ended up being the cia director so Prescott Bush was actually running the CIA via proxy. And Prescott is also tied to Richard Bissell through Averill Harriman. And Richard Bissell was the CIA director of operations for the Bay of Pigs invasion. And Bissell worked for Harriman for 10 years before joining the CIA. And in 1962, the year before Kennedy was murdered, Prescott also partnered with William Casey, who was head of the CIA under Reagan. So William Casey partnered with Prescott to form the National Strategy Information Center, and this was to combat the efforts of Kennedy to dismantle the CIA. They did this directly to fight against him, and, uh, and Casey was one of the most criminal CIA directors that ever uh, sat in the position. He planned the October Surprise, Iran-Contra, uh, and crack cocaine scandal. So there's a guy named Chip Tatum, a former CIA officer who blew the whistle on the operation. He said that he was ordered to deliver weapons to the Contras and bring back cocaine. Bush Sr. was the head of the operation and was personally flying with him on some occasions down on these missions. So something else is also an interesting connection is Barry Seal, who is the same, uh, uh, worked in this, he was in the same Civil Air Patrol located in Louisiana as Oswald, was also flying the cocaine in. Okay, so Oswald is connected to Barry Seal, who is flying the cocaine into Mena, Arkansas. Oh, and uh, Arkansas, so, we know what that connects to. Wait. So what, for everybody's listening, let me just explain. What Nick's just done in 
clear terms is connect Bushes. He's going to connect the Clintons. He's connected uh, Hoover, the CIA, FBI to the assassination. And this is what imagine you're Donald Trump and you walk in day one and this is what they lay in front of you. I mean, this is what we're facing, folks. What Nick's doing is very important. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after a break. Hi, this is Tammy Cuthbert Garcia with Naturally Inspired Radio. Tune in Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. for the latest in natural health news. Get real solutions for healthy living and hear from our inspiring guests that are leading the way in health and freedom. Hi, this is Craig James from Just Informed Talk Radio, and I'm here to tell you about my kind CBD products. I have been using these products myself, and I can tell you this is the highest quality CBD product I've ever used in my life. My kind CBD products are 100% THC free, locally sourced from Colorado hemp farmers, and they're organic. And if you want, you can give them a shot today by going to 1360khnc.com/shop. And when you do, make sure you try out everything from the sunscreen to the lotion, to the salve, to the retinol cream, to the tinctures, to the cocoa, to the coffee, to the tea, everything in between. And make sure you try out the pet products as well. They have pet shampoo and pet tincture. You're not going to be disappointed. These products are white labeled and sold in high-end stores and boutique salons for two, three, and four times the price you're going to be paying at 1360khnc.com slash shop straight from the manufacturer. So go there and buy your products today. And I know you're going to become a repeat customer just like me. 9-11, the Podesta emails, Epstein Island, Hunter's laptop, the 2020 stolen election. What truths are they hiding? Find out this and more on Just Informed Talk Radio, weekdays from 7 to 9 a.m. Welcome back to Just Informed Talk Radio. I'm your host, Craig James, joined by our special guest, friend of the show now, Nick No, Air Force veteran, Benghazi whistleblower, whose background in intelligence is coming quite in handy right now as he is breaking down who is behind what this, this monolith we refer to commonly as the deep state, what, what JFK was identifying in his speech when he said there's a monolithic conspiracy of guerrillas by night instead of armies by day. What uh, uh, Dwight Eisenhower described as a military-industrial complex that is seeking to uh, benefit itself over that of the American people. Nick, please continue with where you were going. I mean, I think this is wildly important. Thanks, Craig. Um, So where we were left off is that uh, Barry Seal, who was flying the cocaine into Mena, Arkansas, um, was connected to Lee Harvey Oswald. They are both in the same Civil Air Patrol in Louisiana. They very likely knew each other. So, uh, so how did Barry Seal fly this cocaine in there, basically with immunity? So, uh, the governor, Bill Clinton, at the time, he uh, was involved in the operation. So, how did he get involved? How did Bill Clinton get involved with all this? It was due to none other than Hillary Clinton. Okay, how is Hillary a key piece? Well, uh, Hillary was a staffer during the House Judiciary Committee impeachment inquiry into Richard Nixon. 
So in that time, uh, she was allegedly uh, had access to some of the evidence from the Watergate break-in. And the real purpose of the Watergate break-in was to get the black book, and, you know, the black book of blackmail. And she was, and she personally took it out of evidence so that all the people involved in that, to include the CIA members, were uh, no longer going to be uh, in danger. So that's why the CIA was uh, allowing or asking them to run this operation through Mena, Arkansas, because Hillary had already shown her loyalty. Uh, and, uh, and if you look up the information, this is something funny you'll find. They're not funny, but it's something that's a, a kind of a disinformation thing. So Hillary was not on the Watergate uh, prosecution or inquiry. She was simply on the, uh, the, uh, staff of the House Judiciary Committee. So what they do is, you know, uh, when you go look this stuff up, you'll see that, oh, fact check, no, she wasn't a part of it. No, she wasn't. But the thing is, she was a part of the House Judiciary Committee uh, for the impeachment inquiry to Nixon. That's how she got access to it, not because of the other part. And that's how they try and work around it, make it seem like, oh, she wasn't involved at all. So E. Howard Hunt, who was one of the assassins run by Bush Sr., uh, as part of the anti-Castro Cuban training people too, was the lead on the Watergate break-in. All right. And um, so this is all interconnected. You got uh, E. Howard Hunt as a main piece in this, and all these people are interconnected. So the Nazis were actually in control of the CIA from its inception. Truman goofed and let that happen. And um, so you've got all the people that are involved in the CIA in its inception were Nazis. Not only that, they were skull and bonesmen. So Prescott Bush was a skull and bonesman from Yale. His son, um, Bush Sr. was. And also his uncle, who is Herbert Walker, uh, by marriage is Prescott Bush's wife, or husband, forgive me, or not husband, uh, his wife's father. And uh, Abraham Harriman was also a skull and bonesman. And this same organization had their own private bank that they would use for their operations as well. I, I can't remember the name offhand. That's another story for another day um, so that they can run these types of things on their own independently, even if they can't get funds elsewhere. So these same people from Yale and oftentimes Bonesmen have been in control of the CIA. When they get recruited, the Bonesmen often end up in controlling positions in the CIA. So uh, keep in mind, this is a death cult, and their motto is order out of chaos. These same people have been in control of the CIA and their associates. You know, some of them obviously are probably dead and they're old, and, but their, uh, their next people that they train are often they're going to be in the same group. So when you're in this intelligence groups and, and agencies like this, you uh, or you're running your own network, you only work with people that you know and trust. And that's why it continues and it perpetuates and it keeps going. The CIA is a the CIA in general is not the, the organization as itself may, you know, they could do away with it or change it or, you know, move it around. But the, the arts that they do, uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, lie, cheat and steal, that's part of the intelligence work that happens. Um, but, you know, I don't promote the human trafficking. They're, they're by any means necessary. That's what they've been doing 
the entire time, and it's not even for the American people, it's for themselves. And yeah, so, I mean, this is this is. I mean, this ties uh, it all together with starting in JFK's assassination. You pull on this thread, and the sweater unravels. I mean, this is what Trump's facing right now. Am I correct? Yes, it is a monstrosity, and uh, the the only real way to take it on would be to uh, make your own intelligence agency or, or work with only the people that you trust and know, which he probably, uh, you know, I don't know this for sure, but I bet he's probably done that. And he probably has some people that he really trusts and uh, he knows are honest and true and, and that he's known for some time, and that's probably part of the same group that asked him to run for president. You know, the military asked him to run because of how bad it had actually gotten these people. They planned on destroying America, dismantling it. And then uh, just like they do with other countries, you know, the, uh, for, for example, the Confessions of the Economic Hitman, uh, the guy who wrote the book, he would go into a country and offer bribes. And of course, if the leader would refuse them, then they would try and, uh, you know, use coercion. Uh, then the next thing they do is try extortion, even threats. And then if they didn't comply with whatever they wanted them to do, then they would kill them. The CIA, before they killed Kennedy, had already assassinated several leaders. And, uh, and it, was, it was out of control. It's, it's just out of control right from the start. And it's because the Nazis, this is all tied back to Ukraine, what's going on now. Uh, the Nazis did not lose World War II. They did not lose World War II. Um, and your listeners need to really uh, look at the information and dig deep, learn about Operation High Jump, learn about the Operation Paperclip, where we took all the Nazi scientists over to the United States, um, gave them new identities, and uh, gave them security clearances to know our, our most important secrets. And, um, you know, it, and it all ties back to Antarctica. The Nazis, you know, really didn't lose. They, they knew that they didn't have the numbers but they had the technology and allegedly they defeated Admiral Richard Byrd down in Antarctica. And he even talked about it when he stopped to get fuel in, in I think Argentina and he told a reporter that the next war is going to be fought with, with uh, craft that can go from pole to pole in, uh, in a couple of hours. So uh, the Nazis defeated Admiral Richard Byrd. He comes back and then you've got the uh, first ever secretary of defense, William Forrestal, Forrestal was a uh, one of the spies. Uh, Wendell Stevens even talks about this. He was in the office whenever uh, the the naval spies would come back. The Navy spies during World War II were tasked with finding out what technologies and what weapons were being developed in in Nazi Germany. When they came back and they gave reports about the flying discs, all that sorts of stuff, um, you know, they didn't believe it right away. And so, of course, Forrestal is in on all these briefings, and he knows what's really going on, uh, which is why it was so important that when Byrd went down to Antarctica, he knew it was because he was going there, down there to confront the last Nazis in New Schwabenland, and they were defeated. Okay, so the United States was defeated. They had superior technology by then, and basically we had no defense against it. And then, uh, and then and we see a lot of uh, them go to, to South America as well, and... Like, here's the thing. For people, and we're going to get back after the break, 
But for people who don't think that this all sounds realistic, I mean, you've seen the videos, folks, of the Tic Tacs that, you know, U.S. Navy fighter pilots can't, can barely keep track of on their radar. The technology obviously exists. That's why they're coming out with these stories about UFOs, because they cannot let the cat out of the bag about what technology they've had for a very long time. That's only gotten more advanced. Stay tuned. We'll be back. You're listening to Just Form Talk Radio. My guest, Nick No, he's going to wrap this up when we come back. Stay tuned. My name is James with Milco Carpet Cleaning. I'm based out of Millican, serving all of northern Colorado. We're a family-owned company that will clean your carpets, upholstery, tile, and rugs. My goal is to freshen your home and business, leaving you dry and clean in no time with no residues. Mention this ad and receive $10 per room off, up to $50. You can call me at 970-405-3740 or email me at nococarpetcleaning at gmail.com. Don't forget to check out my reviews on Google. Get ready to embark on an extraordinary journey with Kelvin Crosby, better known as the Deaf Blind Potter, and his over 15 million followers right here on KHNC every Monday at 5 o'clock p.m. Kelvin will motivate you and show you how to live beyond life's challenges right here on AM 1360. You can run on for a long time. Run on for a long time, run on for a long time. Sooner or later, gotta cut you down. Sooner or later, gotta cut you down. Welcome back to Just Form Talk Radio. I'm your host, Craig James, joined by our guest, the Benghazi whistleblower, Nick No, Air Force veteran, whose intelligence background is allowing us to break down the deep state, how it connects all the way back to the assassination of JFK. And he's now explaining the history of Nazis and how they essentially didn't, what he says, claims lose World War II in the fact that you look at things like Operation Paperclip and Operation High Jump and you understand what actually happened. So, so this history is not, this is the stuff the fake news wouldn't touch with a 10-foot pole. And they're going to call you crazy conspiracy theorists for, for sharing, but what I want you to do, Nick, since this is our last segment before our final, final segment, is take some time now to put all of this together in context to Trump and what he's facing and what all of what you've just gone through throughout this show means for us right now as far as understanding it. So, um, essentially bankers, Nazi bankers were helped create the CIA, ran the CIA, put all of their people in the CIA, and the bankers, keep in mind, are bankers who are technically beneath the central banks, who are run by the Rothschild family, who are absolute criminals. They didn't even get into power until they lied about Napoleon defeating the British at Waterloo, and then they had everybody sell all their assets in England. And uh, then they came in and bought them for pennies on the dollar because they thought they had to liquidate their assets because the British lost and they figured they might lose it anyway. And then they, that's how they got their start. And uh, anyway, the Rothschilds are behind a lot of this, but ultimately the, uh, the problem we're dealing with are the Nazis that were funded by the bankers 
And then uh, the Nazis who were, came over with paperclip, still, uh, their family still to this day, I'm sure, still involved with government. And they still have the same views of, the, of, uh, of people around the world as, as uh, cattle. All right. So um, what President Trump is dealing with is that these people have infiltrated all the high positions in corporations and defense and banking, uh, you name it, and law. They are all infiltrated. That was the idea. It was the 20-year uh, plan to destroy America. Hillary was going to be the capstone, and they did not expect her to lose, right? And uh, I think that they were unable to cheat the way that they thought they would and, and be able to like they did in Ukraine. The United States government rigged the election in Ukraine and installed Zelensky, who, by the way, looks just like George Soros. Maybe he's related, maybe not. Um, put, them, put their faces side by side, um, which is uh, important for the Nazis that control America because Ukraine was one of the uh, locations and headquarters for the SS. Uh, the Nazi SS was in Ukraine, and after the war, they were left alone. And so the people in Ukraine were second and third generation Nazis that were uh, basically took over when the United States overthrew it, gave it back to the Nazis. And uh, it goes all the way back to the Khazarians, who uh, like a thousand years ago owned that area, and they were really bad people. Um, and basically, those Khazarians slowly tried to take over the world and with partners with other groups. And in the end, uh, the Vatican and uh, these these Khazarians uh, tried to take over the world. That's what's happening right now. They want to depopulate the United States. And they also want to keep us as their slaves to do their bidding and have everything automated so that we are basically slaves. We have no technology to fight back. And uh, they would even, one of the reasons they want to make us like cyborgs is because it would be easier to control us. And President Trump is the only person standing in their way. I know this is really far out there, this last part, but it's the truth. If you really dig deep and you follow the truth wherever it leads you, this is where you will, you will arrive. And when you land there, you gotta you gotta take it all with a grain of salt and remember that this didn't happen overnight. We're talking about, as you've said, this is a thousand years plus in the making. There are factions of darkness at work that that a lot of people can't even comprehend the the level of complexity. But I think what you did today was very valuable in in tying these families together, and it ties to everything that we we agree upon, like things. The skull and bones, the secret societies running us, the Operation Paperclip, nobody denies that. Nobody denies the heavy influence of the Bushes and the Clintons in our political system. And it's like, how did these people become so powerful? Where did they come from? Well, we've just been given a full rendition of their history and how they came into power and how they – and this is – I mean, couldn't explain it more clearly why – there are factions that we call the Uniparty Deep State, whatever you want to refer to it as, who are engaged in this all-out assault against Donald Trump. But it's not just against Donald Trump, folks. It's against people like you and me and Nick, those who stand against it and stand in opposition of it. They are ruthless. And, and, and when JFK describes it as a, a ruthless monolithic conspiracy, he's not lying. And they took him out. And that's where we began. But this is something that it may be difficult for, for some to grasp. 
to wrap their head around, but I think this information is incredibly valuable. So anything else you want to throw in there, Nick? Yes, I want to say don't lose hope um, because the good guys have all but one. It's just playing out. If you if you look at what happened whenever President Trump had his election stolen and he was uh, going to hand over power to Biden, he did not hand over the nuclear football. In my second job, I worked at Strategic Air Command. Um, without going into too much detail, I can tell you right now, and just like the movies or any sort of documentary you watch, because there are documentaries on this, that uh, the nuclear football is always within, like right next door, in the set, one room over, away from the president at all times. So uh, the only way, the only legal way, the only real reason that he would not hand over the nuclear football on day one would be because continuity of government had been triggered. There are pre-designated people that are pre-designated to be in certain positions that are the levers of society that are important, you know, our, uh, commerce and other things like that. Uh, and they would be pre-designated to do these things uh, and take control. And uh, so the fact that he did not hand it over, that alone to me means it is um, – they are not in control. The people that are being projected as in control, they have no idea what's truly going on. I'm sure they don't get the full picture. And uh, there's no way for them to regain control. And the thing about it is, is decentralized control. So President Trump handed that off to other people, and it's practically impossible for them to unwind it and figure out how to stop them from, uh, you know, uh, stopping the deep state. Wow. Um this is incredible information, Nick. When we come back, we always wrap up a little scripture because I want to send people out with a positive, a positive uh, message of hope that this is not the end of the world. This is only the beginning and that there is hope beyond what evil exists. So stay tuned, Nick. We're going to come back. I hope you'll, you'll hang out. And maybe uh, if we're lucky, we can get you back on the show soon to keep diving down the rabbit hole because i know there's we could have gone on for hours my friend so everybody stay tuned we'll be back you're listening to just inform talk radio i'm your host craig james we'll be back after the break hi folks this is pastor bruce miller with the foothills baptist church family join us sunday afternoons from three to four for the foothills baptist gospel hour That's Sunday afternoons, 3 to 4, here on 1360 AM. Hey, Chris Lewis here with My Favorite Gunsmith at MyFavoriteGunsmith.com, 970-776-0258. At My Favorite Gunsmith, all I do is repair firearms. I love freedom more than guns, but the only thing that separates a free man from a slave is firearm ownership. I would only add that it needs to work. All of my guns work. Do yours? Find out. 970-776-0258. My Favorite Gunsmith at MyFavoriteGunsmith.com. That's 
Welcome back to Just Forum Talk Radio. I'm your host, Craig James. We're joined by my good friend, Nick Doe. He is the Benghazi whistleblower, Air Force veteran with a background in intelligence. He just broke down some stuff that is vital for everyone to know. And before we get into our God's Grace's Greater segment, Nick, I want to say thank you for joining us here today. Uh, anything you want to shout out, go ahead right now, but thank you. You're welcome, Craig. I appreciate you having me on. As you said, we could go down a lot of these different paths uh, in full detail, uh, such as the Iran-Contra, the uh, the whole deal with the Nazis and New Schwabenland, and uh, Paperclip, all, all these different things we could break down even further. But, uh, you know, I'm glad that you had me on today so that way I could help everybody kind of understand how this takeover happened when Kennedy was killed and how we got here today. Yeah, God bless you, brother. We're going we're gonna to work... Uh hard to get you back on soon to go down some of those other rabbit holes because i think it's important we got a couple texters who uh wanted to comment uh one one person texted and said great show today thank you for that somebody else said this is one of the best shows you've ever done brother great job well it wasn't me it was mostly nick and they also said wow this helps tie it all up in a nice bow thank you nick and craig well thank you to everybody who's texted in and you guys know what we do at the end of every show. We go through the scripture, and, and we started the book of Psalm uh, a few weeks ago, and just so happens that we landed on Psalm 13 today, which is called a plea for deliverance. It's a Davidic psalm, and it goes like this. Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long will I store up anxious concerns within me, agony in my mind every day? How long will my enemy dominate me? Consider me and answer Lord my God, restore brightness to my eyes, otherwise I will sleep in death. My enemy will say I have triumphed over him, and my foes will rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your faithful love, my heart will rejoice in your deliverance, and I will sing to the Lord because he has treated me generously. And I want that message to, to speak to everybody out there listening, that you understand that although there is darkness, although there is evil in this world. Although a lot of the things we covered in this show w would lead a lot of people to, to look at everything in such a dark way. And, and, and when you peer into the abyss, it can consume you. But the way we protect ourselves is just as David did in this psalm where he made a plea to God to deliver him and he trusted in the Lord. And Nick, I know you and I, we both are men of faith and, and we trust in the Lord so we can peer into this abyss and know and take solace in the fact that we have eternal salvation through it all. And uh, it's just a great thing. Yes, amen to that, sir. And uh, in the end, God wins. Don't forget. Amen, brother. So we are so blessed to have Nick on. We're going to do our best to get him on soon again in the future to go down these rabbit holes again. I want to thank everybody out there listening. And my, my plea to you now is this. If you're listening to this show and you haven't accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, do yourself a favor. Do Because it really, at the end of the day, your relationship with God is what's going to make a difference in your life in ways that you probably can't even imagine at this point. So if you haven't, repent, say a prayer, open your heart, and allow Jesus to come in. Accept him as your Lord and Savior. And if you already have, go out in the world, take this scripture, take it with you, wear it around you like a shield of protection knowing and trusting in the deliverance that god has promised 
because that is ultimately what is going to get us through each and every day is our trust and faith in the Lord. So uh, with that, I want to say thank you, Nick, so much for coming on the show. This was an amazing show. We can't wait to have you back. Um, anything else you want to share? We're going to be out in a few seconds. Well, I appreciate you having me on, and um, I really enjoyed it. And, I, and if you'd like to have me on, I'd be honored to come back on again. Well, we may try to make you a regular because the information you bring to the table is highly valuable to me and I'm sure my audience as well. But with that being said, that's it for Just Informed Talk Radio. This was your Tinfoil Friday. Nick No, he is an amazing man. We're going to get him back on hopefully soon, God willing. But with that being said, we'll see you all in the next one. My name is Craig James. This is Just Informed Talk Radio. Godspeed and God bless each and every one of you, Patriots. Yeah.